should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Yeah. 
Lord be with you. Let us pray. God, our refuge and strength, have mercy on your church as we come in prayer before you. Answer us not in judgment on our sins, but in peace and forgiveness. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Life is a struggle. Jacob had certainly learned that. Stealing the birthright, fleeing. When he came back years later, what would happen? Would his older brother Esau want to kill him still? Life is a struggle, and so is prayer. Yet from this first lesson, from Genesis chapter 32, we learn, hold on to God tightly, and he will bless us. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the fjord of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The word of the Lord. Continue with the duet.
Our second lesson taken from 1 John chapter 5. Why should we bother coming to the Lord persistently in prayer? What confidence do we have? Well, we have eternal life through faith in Jesus. And God promises here he will give it to us whatever we ask according to his will. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Our gospel today from Luke chapter 18 serves as the basis for our sermon. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 723.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and men. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today, the gospel from Luke 18. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. A couple of years ago, when everything was shut down for the pandemic, our washing machine decided to go on the fritz. And since it was still under warranty, we decided we're going to call up a technician, have him come out, and fix it. Well, we had to wait for well over a week before the technician got there. And when he got there, he said, well, I need to order a part. And that took over another week. And by that time, he came back and installed it. And then a couple days later, the washing machine was acting up again. And so we went through this same process over and over. It kept not really getting fixed until the warranty ran out. It just wasn't right. Our clothes need to be cleaned. They owe us this. This is what we paid for with the warranty, too made phone calls, we were on hold for hours, we wrote letters, but finally, eventually, we gave up. This just isn't worth it. We bought the bullet, went out and bought another washing machine, and moved on with life. Every Christian feels that way at some point in time about their prayer life. We cry out to God for the faith of one of our grandchildren or one of our friends, And those people keep wandering their own direction and away from God. We pray for our country, and things keep getting worse. We pray about our own attitude or the temptations that we've been struggling with, or we pray about our health, and things seem to get more of a struggle. Is it really worth it? God, do you care? God, are you even listening? Jesus teaches his disciples a parable this morning. That includes you and me. And by this parable, Jesus encourages us and impresses upon us, don't give up on prayer, because we have a serious adversary. But we also have a God who will bring about swift justice. If anyone was going to feel like giving up, it would have been a widow back in Bible times. We all probably remember Naomi and Orpah and Ruth, three widows. A father and his two sons died, and those three women left without a home. And so through their grief, through their pain, they had to ask questions like, where am I going to live? How am I going to be provided for? Who's going to speak up for me? Widows were the frequent target of scams and greedy people looking to siphon money off of them and to scam their homes away from them. And so over and over, the prophets in the Old Testament, they had to call out God's people on this. Stop mistreating widows. Even Jesus, at his time, he had to call out the spiritual leaders, the teachers of the law, because they were pulling widows' homes out from underneath them. If anyone had a reason to feel like giving up, it would have been a widow. 
In fact, one commentator said that most widows back then would have been sold into slavery to pay their debts. Now, we don't know exactly what trouble this widow in Jesus' parable was facing. But we do know what our adversary is trying to do to us. Jesus tells us here in the last verse of our section of Scripture, he says, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on the earth? Our adversary is trying to take our faith away. That's what Jesus is talking about in this section right before our sermon text as well. He says, when the Son of Man comes again, some will long for him, but most people won't be looking for him at all. It'll be like in the days of Noah, when people were marrying and making merry, and all of a sudden, the floodwaters came and destroyed everyone. It'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, when people were going about business as usual, counting on the economy and their money, craving their food and drink, working on their home improvements, and engrossed in their farming. And then, all of a sudden, fire and sulfur raining down from heaven and destroyed them all. Our adversary got them so preoccupied with prosperity that they didn't bother with prayer or repentance. They were so comfortable with their surroundings and with life here in this world that they didn't bother to call on God anymore or trust in him. Our adversary wants to swindle us out of all the riches of the heavenly realms. He wants to scheme a way to get our dwelling place in glory. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. but It's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil, our enemy, makes us think that food is more important than faith or our Heavenly Father. He makes us think that our homes here and fixing them up and buying new ones and selling them, that's more important than our mansion in heaven. Our adversary, the devil, leads us to trust in temporary things and he takes them away, <laughs> bringing about loss and coaxing us to curse God, just like he did for Job. Our adversary, the devil, he flips things around and makes God out to be the bad guy. He mischaracterizes God. God with all those harsh rules. God who should love you a lot more and do a lot more for you. He couldn't care less about you. So go ahead. Live however you want. Do whatever makes you happy. And then when we've made a mess of our lives, it's all our fault. The devil counsels us away from God and then accuses us in front of God. This is tragic. This is terrible. You and I have been more victimized than any widow back in Bible times by our adversary. He is a serious adversary. When are we going to start taking him that way? In the last couple weeks, there's been a, a lot of trial coverage from the Waukesha Christmas Parade attack. People demanding justice, calling out for justice, witnesses testifying against the accused. 
That man who got all in a huff, got in his SUV, mowed down six people dead, over 60 injured, that trial's going to happen. Justice will be carried out. The community wouldn't have it any other way. Yet when our adversary, all in a fury, gets in his Satan assault vehicle and mows down our families, guns it, revs his engine, and peels out after you and me, do we call on God in prayer? We should be pleading on our knees day and night. But instead, so many other things become more important. I don't have time to pray. I forget to pray. It's just not worth it. We give in and we give up. The only justice you and I deserve is to be left penniless and homeless and empty, headed for the prison that was prepared for our adversary. Our very serious adversary. But no matter how many times our adversary attempts to mischaracterize our God, we look at the evidence, and that opinion has to be overturned. Our God is just. He laid the just punishment for sin on Jesus. There at the cross, God punished Jesus for all of our misgivings about God and our misplaced priorities about his return, for all of our non-existent efforts and our unoffered prayers, all of that laid on Christ where God carried out justice on him. God is just, and he justifies through faith. That's how he brings his justice to you and me, so that every day, you and I stand innocent, pardoned, acquitted before God, wherever we go. Jesus says further that we are God's chosen ones. Not because of anything in us, not because of how great you and I were. We weren't. We were dead, blind, and hostile in front of God. But God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world, all because of his good pleasure and his will. God chose us to be sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit and through belief in the truth. That means that God set you and me apart by God the Holy Spirit's work as he gave us the gift of faith and created faith in our hearts. That gives you and me the comfort every day that he did choose to save us. Jesus says that, he did not, that we did not choose him but he chose us and appointed us to go and bear fruit. One of the fruits that we bear as God's chosen people is that we cry out to him day and night. Uh, that verb crying out, yelling, hollering at the top of your lungs, day and night, that reminds us of our urgent and ongoing need in prayer. How often should we pray? Well, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray continually. And in Philippians 4, he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. In Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Remember Jacob from our first lesson? He hung on to God throughout the night. 
And God blessed him. Whether we're praying out loud before a meal or praying in our heart as we're driving to work, whether we're waking up in the morning or lying awake in bed struggling to sleep, whether we're at school or at recess, we pray to God constantly. We cry out to him day and night. And he hears us. Isn't that shocking? Isn't it almost outrageous? God is supposed to be a judge. Justice is blind. Judges aren't supposed to show favoritism. They're not supposed to be choosy about people. But God chose us. God favors us. God listens to us whenever we call on him, day or night, all of our anxieties as we cast them on him. Call upon him in the day of trouble and he will deliver you. Swift justice from our just God. And when I hear the term swift justice, doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? Because here in our country, trials drag out for months and years. There's appeals after that. It seems like trials are never ending. When will justice come? But Jesus isn't just being a fast talker when he talks about swift justice here. We cry out to our God and he brings justice quickly. When your adversary accuses you and drives you down with guilt, cry out to God for justice. Listen to his just decree. You are not guilty. You are forgiven. You don't have to wait for that. When your adversary comes after you, planting doubts about your future, cry out to God and listen to his just pronouncement. You are my chosen one. You have nothing to fear. There's no need to wait for that justice, swift justice from our gracious God. When your adversary comes tempting you and wearying you with those temptations, cry out to God and listen to his just decree. You are my innocent child. That adversary has no control, no power over you anymore. It's just as Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane to Peter, James, and John. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. We cry out to God in temptation and we stand firm. Our adversary, he has to cower and crawl away. Swift justice from our God for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. But wait a minute. What about all those injustices? When God's chosen people suffer here, when God's chosen people go through loss, when they endure pain and hardship, when they are forced to watch as loved ones turn away from God, where's God's swift justice then? Our lives here are short. They are but a breath. Yet when the, when the Son of Man comes, that's when the long time begins. That's when eternity comes. God allowed his chosen Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer during that short time here on earth. He allows us to suffer during our short times here on earth too. Because he wants us ready for 
the long time. God is not slow, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants there to be faith when the Son of Man returns. That is his will. We have confidence that as we cry out to him, in line with that will, we have what we've asked. So this is our cry. This is our prayer, day and night. Give me faith. Increase my faith. Use me to share the faith with others so that when the Son of Man comes, they too might have faith. God's swift justice. He gives that faith freely and fully and quickly through his gospel, through baptism, through communion. As we gather around his word for worship, as we listen to devotions, and as we dig into God's word in Bible studies, he gives that faith, swift justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. And then when this short time here is done, God is just. He will pay back trouble to all those who have troubled you and bring relief to you who are troubled. This will happen when Jesus comes and is revealed in blazing fire with all of his holy ones, when he throws all those who rejected him through unbelief into eternal fire, departed from him forever. He brings comfort and justice to you and me. Swift justice for his chosen ones. Whenever we buy a product, do you have that same struggle as I do? Should I get the warranty or not? You just never know if it's going to be worth it. Is the product going to break? Will I need to use the warranty? Is the warranty too expensive for this product that I'm buying? And that if it does break, and if I do need it, will there be some loophole so I won't be able to use it? The warranty's void. With our God, we don't ever have to wrestle with, is this going to be worth it? He is faithful. He is just. He listens to us and keeps all of his promises with us. So don't you ever, never give up on prayer. Amen. Please stand. I mean, the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Loving God and Lord, you created the universe that surrounds us and the globe on which we live. You control all things through your Son, who sits at your right hand in glory. 
Give your word power as it works in our hearts and minds. Clear away our confusion and demolish our doubts. Send your spirit to strengthen both our confidence in your promises and our desire to live according to your will. The signs of the times warn us that the end is near. Protect us from scoffers who sneer at your truth. Spare us and Christians around the world from all forms of hate and persecution. Instill in the hearts of our children a desire to follow you as they prepare for future days. Help them distinguish between what is passing and what is eternal, between instant thrills and lasting joy. Encourage more young people to prepare for service in the public ministry of the gospel. Hold in your care, Lord, those who are experiencing physical or emotional pain and all who are afflicted by disease or facing death. Pour out your compassion on the grieving and comfort the mourners who miss someone they loved. Jesus, our risen Savior, thank you for delivering Rachel Rabine's mom, Mary, to eternal life this past week through faith in you. Please be with all who mourn and keep all of us prepared to meet you in faith. Heavenly Father, we praise you for watching over Carl Tapel, who was involved in a car accident on Wednesday in Milwaukee and is now back recovering at home. Please continue to send your holy angels to guard your people in all their ways. And hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. Whether we pray together or alone, you have promised to hear and answer us. Give us patience to accept your blessings in whatever way you send them. In your love and wisdom, prepare us for the day when you will take us to be with you forever. We continue with our next hymn.
Blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated for our closing hymn. Thank you so much for joining us in God's house this morning. Several announcements for today. Uh, First of all, between services, we'll have our adult Bible class unit continuing on the divine call. It's 
specifically looking at this question, how does someone become a called worker? Then, well, at 